everybody who's here. Uh, Lord, I, I just ask that you would meet with us and, and that you would uh, allow us to be able to know that, that you've spoken to us through your word. We love you, Lord. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Okay, well, we uh, are read there, Genesis chapter number 32, and, and we find uh, Jacob traveling back to Canaan. If you remember, last week we were in uh, Genesis 31, and we talked there about all the success that Jacob had, and, and Jacob has become a very rich man, a very large family, and, uh, but because of the circumstances there, he's really not found himself welcomed at his uncle Laban's uh, house anymore, and, and God has really uh, set things up around his life in order to get him to come back to Canaan. And God even specifically told him, "I want you to come back to to Canaan." Now, if you remember, if you've been with us on 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 uh, Sunday nights, or even if you just remember from your own Bible reading, when Jacob ran away initially, when he ran away from Canaan, from the Promised Land, he ran away because of his sin. Because he'd sinned against Isaac, because he'd sinned against Esau, because he'd sinned against God. He was running away in fear, and, that's, and he referred to that. He ran away with nothing. With his staff only, he crossed over the Jordan. However, what I believe chapter 32 is about, and, and somewhat chapter 33, is that when you finally go back to the promised land, when you finally go back to wherever it is you were running from or you were hiding from, Esau is still there waiting to be dealt with. And you know, whenever we run away from an issue or or from a sin or from whatever, you know, often, I mean not often, we know that every single time God is going to direct our lives and God is going to maneuver our lives and God is going to change circumstances in order to make us, in order to force us to deal with that issue. Esau was long forgotten. It had been 20 years. You, you know, you, you think after 20 years he would have to face Esau. But when he comes back to Canaan land, Esau is still there. Esau must be dealt with. And when we run away because of sin, because of issues, because of pride, whatever it is, when we, when we hide our sin and when we take, God will always force us to deal with that sin. You say, well, it's been 20 years. It's been uh, however many years. It doesn't matter. The Bible says, in, uh, and you don't have to turn there, but in Numbers 32-23, part of the verse there says, be sure your sin will find you out. And that's the truth. You know, you can, you can have sin that you did a long time ago. And God will make sure that that sin is brought out because God always wants you to face Esau. When you run from Esau, God always wants you to face Esau and to deal with Esau and to make Esau right. I heard this quote, wherever you, it's actually Pastor Mark Lewis, I, I heard Pastor Mark Lewis give this quote. He says, wherever you leave, is where you have to start when you get back. And when you, when you, when you quit church, or when you quit the Christian life, or when you quit you know, running the race, wherever at that moment, whatever that, whatever that obstacle was, whatever that issue was that made you want to quit, when you decide you're going to come back, you're going to have to start right back, right there. At the place where you quit before. And that's really what Jacob is finding. When he left Canaan, he left Canaan running from Esau, when he comes back to Canaan, the first person you've got to deal with, Esau. Esau. I want you to see, number one, we see Jacob's confirmation from God. Jacob's confirmation from God. If you look at verse number one, the Bible says, And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, now I want you to make note of this, the Bible doesn't tell us that anybody else saw these angels other than Jacob himself. The Bible says, And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Now, what we need to understand is this. 
the angels of God, which represent the presence of God, which represent, uh, you know, God's presence and God's enabling and God's protection on Jacob's life, have been with him the entire time. If you remember, they were back with him in Bethel, back in Genesis 28, when he first left Canaan. And remember, he went to Bethel, and he laid down, the Bible says he, he grabbed a stone, and that was his pillow, and he laid down, and he had a dream, and he saw angels ascending and descending from heaven, and he said, this is God's house. You know, they were with him at that time. The entire time he's been with Laban, God's presence has been with him. God's been protecting him. God's the reason that Laban didn't hurt him, and kill him, and do other things to him. God has been with him. But at this time in Genesis, uh, Jacob's life, because you got to understand, this is a very stressful time for Jacob. This is a very hard time for Jacob. And at this time, when he's traveling back to Canaan, and he's remembering about Esau, he's remembering he's got to deal with Esau, he, God allows him to see the angels that have always been with him. God allows him to see the angels that have always been protecting him. And God is really confirming to Jacob that Jacob is doing the right thing, that Jacob is doing what God wants him to do. If you look at verse 2, when Jacob saw these angels, he said, and when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. Now that word host there in the Bible is often used in the Bible as a military term. Military terminology. You'll often find this phrase in the Bible, the captain of the host, referring to like a general, referring to a military leader. And that word host there is often referred to as a sort of a military uh, group, you know, like a squadron or a, I don't know what they call them in the army. What what they call them in the army is it? Platoon? Okay, there you go. That's what they call it. I know in the Air Force it's a squadron, you know, whatever. Whatever it is, you know, that host, he saw that angel, and he gave him that military, uh, you know, name. He said, this is God's host. This is God's army. This is God's, you know, uh, uh, soldiers that are with us. And, and Jacob probably found uh, a, lot of, uh, uh, a lot of comfort in that. And here's why. Jacob at this time probably feels very weak, vulnerable, helpless. If you remember, Jacob, yes, he has all these riches, he has all this cattle, he has his young family, but he really has no way of defending himself. If you remember from last week, when Laban came, Laban said, I could do you much hurt. Laban said, I could hurt you. The only reason I'm not hurting you is because God stepped in and God told me not to do it. And later on in this passage, we'll see, Esau comes with 400 men. And Esau could have hurt Jacob. Esau could have done a lot of damage to Jacob. And Jacob really feels helpless at this time. Although he's very wealthy, although he has much, much money and much cattle, much different things, uh, he has no way to defend himself. He probably feels weak, helpless, vulnerable. Laban's coming, and he's afraid that Laban's going to hurt him. Esau's coming, he's afraid that Esau's going to hurt him. And when he sees these angels, he says, God's military is with me. God's protection is with us. And he saw Jacob's that was Jacob's confirmation. That was God's confirmation on Jacob's life. And you know what the interesting is? Is that we all have those angels. Have you ever heard of the term a guardian angel? You know, a lot of times we, we, people joke around about a guardian angel. And they'll say, oh, you know, we'll talk about kids having guardian angels. That's very true. It's a very true concept. The Bible teaches that. And I'd like you to see some verses. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18. I know we're in Matthew a lot this morning. I just want you to see one verse. Matthew chapter number 18, look at verse number 10. Matthew chapter number 18, and look at verse number 10. Matthew 18.10 says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you, that in heaven their angels, so he's talking about these little ones, the children, He's saying, their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. 
The Bible says that every child has an angel that watches over them. And their angels are constantly in communication with God, letting them know, hey, these people, these kids are getting picked on. You know, these kids are getting hurt. And you know, you, you have those. Go, go with me to Hebrews chapter number 13. And I think it's very interesting. Hebrews chapter number 13. Look at verse number 2. Hebrews chapter number 13. Look at verse 2. Well, let's just read verse 1. The Bible says, Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some, ha- some have entertained angels unawares. I mean, read that verse. Hebrews 13. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You know, the Bible says that we ought to be kind to people and nice to people because sometimes you're entertaining an angel and you don't know they're an angel. A lot of times you're entertaining a, a, a being from heaven and you don't know they're a being from heaven. That's why, you know, I, always, I, I joke around with my wife about this, but, but I do. Whenever some crazy homeless person walks up to me and wants to have a conversation, I'm always very nice to them. Because I just figure, they might be an angel from God, you know. They might go up to God and say, you know, brother so-and-so, he was kind of rude to me. You know, and I always, I joke around with my wife, because sometimes, um, you know, crazy people will come up to me and, uh, you know, they're, yeah, I don't know, they, they're either on drugs or whatever it is, they're, they're crazy. And um, I had a lady come up to me, well, I'll have people come up to me, and I'll, and I'll think, like, man, I better be nice to this person, better an angel. But then I'll see how they're dressed, and it'll be like uh, a guy with like long hair, and I'll be like, no, that's not an angel. God wouldn't send an angel. Or like a woman wearing pants. I'd be like, no, that's not an angel. But I had, I had this one crazy lady come up to me, and I told my wife, man, I, she probably was an angel. Because she had like a nice long skirt on. She looked like a Baptist, you know, but she was all kind of crazy and telling me, like, I was just trying to be really nice to her, you know, and I try to be nice to everybody. But the Bible says that, you know, we do come across angels. And you don't know it. So you got to be nicer. That's why he says, let brotherly love continue. And be not forgetful to entertain strangers. But we must understand, that, and you can go back with me to Genesis. We, we must understand that we are in a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual fight going on on this earth. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And, 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 uh, and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to misquote the verse now because I can't think. Spiritual wickedness in high places. And, and, and there is a spiritual battle. And there are angels. And there are demons. And there are those different things. And we have... You know, guardian angels, is that what you want to call them? And Jacob had those guardian angels, that they were protecting him. But for that brief second, God, when when Jacob felt vulnerable, when he felt weak, when he felt helpless, when he felt like he he couldn't do anything, he couldn't protect himself, God allowed him to see a vision of those angels. Reminds me of a story with Elisha. When when Elisha had his servant uh, there, and all the enemies came, and they stood around him, and they were going to destroy him. And his servant says to Elisha, he he says, well, why are you so calm? You know, why aren't you worried? Aren't you afraid? And Elisha just prays and says, God, will you open his eyes? And the Bible says that God opened the eyes of his servant, and he looked round about, and there was a host of of military, of angels, just round about. And all of a sudden, he wasn't nervous anymore, because he knew that God was there to protect him. You know, so, so uh, that's why, you know, when the Bible says that, you know, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil. Why? Because we know that God always has someone uh, protecting us, being with us. But look at verse number 3. Genesis chapter number 32, look at verse number 3. We see that Jacob tries some negotiations. You know, Jacob, this is, this is what Jacob does. Jacob is a good salesman. He's a good businessman. And uh, he's, this is what he does. Look at, look at Genesis chapter number 32 and verse 3. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau. And this, he said, this is what I want you to say to Esau. 
Notice what he says. Thy servant Jacob saith thus. You know, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses, flocks and manservants and women servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may have that I may find grace in thy sight. So what is Jacob saying? Jacob's saying, Look, I'm your servant, Jacob, and I've got all these things. I'd like to find grace in your sight. What are you saying? He's saying, uh, Jacob. He's saying, Jacob is saying to Esau, name your price. I, I, I'd like to, you know, uh, give you an offering. I'd like to bring a peace offering. I'd like to give you some. You know, he's negotiating with him. And, and, and you know, sometimes people make fun of uh, Jacob for this, and they'll say, oh, Jacob was just a deceiver, and he was. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, doubting that. But, but going to Proverbs chapter number 15, let me show you something. I don't believe what Jacob was doing was necessarily all that bad. If you look at Proverbs chapter number 15, it's, you know, the book right after the book of Psalms, Proverbs 15, and you look at verse number 1, the Bible says in Proverbs 15, 1, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. And, and, and Jacob was really, you know, putting a, a, a lot on, on that verse there and saying, you know, I'm going to give Esau a soft answer. I'm going to talk, I'm going to call him my Lord. I'm going to tell him I'm his servant. I'm going to say I've got all these things I'd like to give you. You know, can you make a deal with me? He says that I may find grace in thy sight. You know, and, and we are, you know, often make fun of Jacob for that. But I, I think it's smart. You know, Jacob did the same thing with Pharaoh, and we'll get into that when we get into the life of Joseph, but when, when, when Pharaoh, or when really Joseph was being harsh with them, but they thought it was the governor of, of, of Egypt, you know, he said, send him presents. Why? Because there's a way to deal with people, you know, and, and it goes back to that terminology. We ought to be nice, we ought to be polite to people, you know, we ought not be rude to people. There, there's a way to deal with people and treat people and, and be kind to them, you know. Uh, when I'm preaching, obviously, that's different, because I'm preaching God's Word, and I, I just preach God's Word, and, and and, and we don't apologize for that. But you know, in person, I never try to, uh, you know, correct people or, or tell them what they're doing wrong or tell them what they're I try, I try to be as nice as possible because God says we ought to deal with people. And I find, you know what I found in my life is this. Pastors who are liberal and just refuse to preach God's word. You know what I found is that behind the pulpit, they'll be so nice. They'll never say anything negative. But they're, man, they're quick to pick up the phone and tell you off. You know, and I, you say, oh, I've never heard it. I've seen it multiple times. I see pastors, you know, they refuse to preach, you know, that fornication is a sin. But they'll pick up the phone and tell you, hey, sister, so and so, I found out you're, you know, and that's backwards. We ought to be as nice and as, as, uh, as you know, uh, as nice as possible to people face to face. And when we preach God's word, hey, that's God's word. But, um, so anyway, uh, Jacob here is just trying to uh, help himself out and he's sending these uh, gifts to him. But look at verse number 6, look at Esau's response. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. Now, does that sound good or bad? Notice, Esau didn't give a response. Esau didn't say, Great! I want to see Jacob. He also didn't say, I'm going to go kill Jacob. He gave no response. He loaded up four hundred men and went to see him. Just that, That's the response he got. And of course, Jacob, this, he's stressed out. He's thinking to himself, he's going to be with 400 men. He's going to annihilate us. Look at verse 7. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that was with him, and the flocks and herds and the camels into two bands. And said, if Esau came to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. 
And Jacob said, uh, you know, before we keep reading that, but I want you to notice this. You know, what does Jacob do? He, he divides his company into two bands. He says, if Esau comes and kills these people, then these people can go. And if Esau comes and kills these people, then these people can go. What is, what is Jacob doing? Here's what he's doing. He's cutting his losses. He's just figuring, okay, Esau's coming, 400 men, he's going to kill us. Let's just try to come out of this as, as profitable as possible. You know, you, you see, he's, uh, Jacob is constantly just thinking in the time, the mindset of a businessman. And he's really cutting his losses. But here's the problem. When, when you hear of a business, you know, a businessman, and, and he's trying to cut his losses, he's trying to figure out, okay, you know, things are going to go bad, what's the best thing we can do in this situation? You know what's really happening is the fact that they just gave up. We're filing bankruptcy, let's just... Which one of these is going to get us the best? You know, how are we going to get out of here the, looking the best? And that's really what Jacob's doing. He's cutting his losses. He's figuring, let's divide him into two. If he gets to this people, then these people have time to run away. If he gets to these people, then these people have time to run away. And he's really just given up. He's just decided, okay, Esau is going to kill us. But then Jacob gets an idea. Look at verse number 9. And Jacob said, O God of my father. For the next few verses, Jacob begins to pray to God. And you know what the funny thing is? He's already given up. He's already cut his losses. And then he says, well, you know what? Let's pray. And and it's easy to just pick on Jacob, but so often in our lives, it's usually, that's what we do. Prayer is the last resort. Things get bad, and we try to figure out, well, let's look at these finances, look at this, this account, what can we do with this, what can we do with that? And once we get to a place where there's nothing we can do, then we think, well, let's just pray about it. You know, when honestly, that ought to be our first option. You know, before we even set messengers to Esau, we ought to be on our knees praying to God, Jacob. But Jacob, when he gets to a place, after he's given up, he says, well, you know, nothing else to do, let's just go ahead and pray. And he begins to pray, and I want you to see the, the, the things that he prays in verse 9. He says, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which says unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. See, when you find yourself in a situation like this, where you've got to face something that you really don't want to face, you've got to talk about something that you really don't want to talk about, and you just find yourself praying, here's, here's how you do it. you got to do it like Jacob. He started off praying for God's purpose. He's praying for, he's saying, God, what is your purpose in this? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? If you look at verse 9, he says, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me. He says, God, you're the one who said to me, you're the one who told me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred. And I will deal well with thee. He's saying, God, you're the one who told me to come on this trip and meet up with Esau. If it wasn't for your direction, I'd be miles and miles and miles from Esau at this point in time. God, what is your purpose? Why are you doing this? And you've got to understand that there is a reason why I must deal with Esau. There's a reason why God is having you deal with Esau. Not only does he pray for God's purpose. You look at verse 10, he prays for God's providence. He says, I'm not worthy of the least of the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan and now I'm become two bands. He says, God, when I came, when I passed this Jordan, I I had one possession. I had one earthly possession, my staff and the clothes I was wearing. And he says, now I'm coming back with two bands. He says, God, you did this. 
God, it was your providence that saw me through this. And, and you've and you got to understand, God brought me to Esau at this time for a reason. God let 20 years go by and brought Jacob to Esau at this time. And you must understand and you must believe that it is God's providence that brought you there. Look at verse 11. He continues praying. He prays for God's protection. Deliver me, he says. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. He's saying, God, you can see me through this. You can deliver me. You can help me. And lastly, verse 12, he, when he's praying, he's praying God's promises. Look at verse 12. And thou saidst, I will surely do thee good. And make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he's saying, God, you're the one who said you're going to do me good. You're the one, you know, and this is really how you deal, you know, this is great prayer in the Bible. You gotta, you know, if you look at Moses, Moses this, oftentimes to get God to just kind of, you know, pay attention to you in prayer time, the best way to get God is when you're quoting His Bible to Him. When you're coming to God and saying, God, you promised me this. You promised me that. You promised me you were going to do this. You know, if you remember when, when God was going to destroy the children of Israel there, and Moses said that, uh, you know, a prayer to God, and he, he was an intercessory prayer there between the children of Israel and God, and, he's, and he was quoting God's promise. He said, God, you promised these children, you'd bring them out of Egypt and, you, and you'd bless them. And that's what Jacob's doing. He's saying, you told me that you would multiply me and that you would number me uh, as a multitude, as a sad as he. God, you said this. He's saying, I want that promise. See, God wants you, and here's what you got to understand. And, and maybe I'm not making this clear, but God will bring all of us to the place where we've got to deal with Esau. Whatever Esau is, you say, well, what is, what is Esau? Esau is whatever made you run away. Esau is whatever made you quit. Esau is whatever made you leave the promised land. You say, I, I, I used to go to church. I used to you know, be really involved in church. And then I got out. Why did you get out? Well, you know, I had a drug problem. That's your Esau. Well, I, I, I had a sin issue. That's your Esau. And God will force us to deal with Esau on the way back to the promised land, on the way back to the will of God. He will force us to deal with Esau. But what you got to understand, on that travel, when it's hard, when it's stressful, when you're sad, when you're upset, when you feel weak, when you feel vulnerable, you've got to understand that God is putting you through this for a reason. And the reason is that God wants you to succeed. God is not a bully in heaven who just likes to see us sweat. God wants us to succeed. God wants us to do right. He's putting you through this to make you better. You don't have to turn there, but if, you, if you'd like to, you can. Job 23 says this. Job 23.10, Job said, if you remember the story of Job, he lost all his... Wealth, he lost all his family, he lost his health, his wife turned on him, and he lost everything he had. And Job said about God, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And, God, and when God puts us through these stressful situations, He's doing that not to make us worse, not to make us bitter, He's doing it to make us better. 
He's doing it so we come out as gold. The process of purifying gold, when you add it to the heat, you know, the process is to remove all the, the dirt and to remove all the things and to make it as pure as possible. And that's what God is doing to Jacob. He's trying to help him. He, he prays to God. Look at verse 13. But then he goes back to his business-like ways. He tries to give some presents. Look at verse 13. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. I want you to really... Fo- you know, sometimes it's easier to just read these verses and kind of... Look at the, look at the present he's given Esau. Verse 14 and 15. 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats. 200 ewes and 20 rams. 30 milch camels with their colts, 40 kine, 10 bulls. I mean, I mean, I, you know, we took our kids to the state fair recently and we, we saw some of these cows and bulls. And these are huge animals. 10 of them. 20 she-asses. 10 foals. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants. Now, look, the, that's a present. That's not, he, that's not, you know, his net worth. That, that's just the gift he's given. You know, that's really a, a testament to uh, his wealth. How much he had gained. That's a, that's a gift he's giving Esau. And if you look at verse 15, the Bible says, He delivered them into the hand of his servant, every drove by themselves, and said unto his servant, Pass over before me, and put a space betwixt drove and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau, my brother, meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou? And whither goest thou? And whose art these before thee? Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my lord Esau, and behold, also he is behind us. And so commanded he the second and the third, and all that followed the drove, saying, On this manner shall ye speak unto Esau when ye find him. So he takes this huge entourage, a huge present, and he divides it into, uh, you know, more than three groups is what we're told. But he divides them into these groups, and he separates them, and he just... Allowing them to go on before them as a gift for Esau. So the, the, the plan is, you know, he, he'd have this entire caravan meet Esau on the way. And he'd say, that's a gift from your servant Jacob. And then Esau would continue traveling towards Jacob. And then another caravan of gifts. And then another, and then another, and then another. And you say, well, what's the purpose for that? And look at verse 20. And Jacob said, And say ye moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him. With the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face, peradventure he will accept of me. So he's just trying to give him presents because he's trying to make this right. He's trying to find grace. He's nervous. He's scared. He's afraid that Esau is going to come and he's going to kill the mother with the children. That's what he said. And he doesn't really know what to do. But I'd like you to see Jacob's confrontation with God. If you look at verse number 21, the Bible says, so when the, present over, so when the present over before him, and himself and himself lodged that night in the company, and he arose up that night, and took his two wives, and his two women servants, and his eleven sons, and passed over the four Jacob. And he took them, and sent them over the brook, and sent over all, and sent over that he had. Now, if you look at the first part of verse 24, the Bible says, And Jacob was left alone. 
Now, when the Bible says Jacob was left alone, that's the truth. I mean, he was left very alone. We just read there, he gathered his entire family, he, and, he, and he sent them ahead. He gathered all his possessions. We're not talking about the, the, the gifts that he gave, but then he gathered all his possessions, and he sent them ahead. He sent everything he owned, if you look at verse 23, and he took them and sent them over the brook, and sent over that he had. So he took his family, sent them over the brook, he took everything he had, took it over the brook, and then the Bible says, and Jacob was left alone. And that's the truth. He, he was left alone. And had nothing. Had no one, no family, no servants, no possessions. And the Bible says, and Jacob was left alone. And they wrestled the man with him until the breaking of the day. Now we'll, we'll look at it a little further in the chapter, but this, this man is God, is what the Bible tells us. And there's only one God-man, there's only one God in the flesh, and that's Jesus Christ. So I, I believe, with all my heart, that Jacob is wrestling with Jesus Christ. You know, and, and old, it's an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. The, the second head of the God, you know, of the Godhead, the Son, Jesus Christ. He came down. The Bible says, and they wrestled with him a man, with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw, talking about the angel of the Lord, when he saw that he prevailed not against him, Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. And he wrestled with him. Now it's interesting to me, every time I read this, I think about this fact. You know, and I've talked about this before. People always make fun of Jacob, saying, oh, Jacob was a mama's boy. Esau was, you know, a hunter and hairy, and Jacob was smooth, and he was a mama's boy. And I remember I, I told you, I don't really think he, he was that much of a mama's boy. Number one, he was a really hard worker, you know. It takes a man to be a hard worker. Number two, you know, he was able to pick up, remember, that well when they had that, that uh, stone there that was covering the, the, the top of the wall? And everybody was gathering together to move it together. He was able to just grab that and do it himself, you know, to impress Rachel. And here we have Jacob wrestling with Jesus Christ. Now look, if you can wrestle with God in the flesh and prevail, I mean, that's got to give you some points for manliness, you know. And I, I used to always think that this was a positive thing. That Jacob was able to wrestle with God and prevail against Jesus. But really, you know, obviously we've got to understand Jesus is God. If Jesus wanted to just, you know, flicker Jacob and throw him into the stratosphere, he could have. Jesus is trying to make a point here in the story and illustration. The Bible says, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him. And here's what you've got to understand. When the re- what is the purpose of wrestling? I think Brother Darrell used to wrestle, right, in, in high school? Yes. When, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know anything about wrestling. But when you're wrestling somebody, isn't the purpose of, you know, pinning them down and really uh, making them subject to you? Jesus is wrestling with this man. And really there's a spiritual application here. Oftentimes, God will wrestle with us, and He's trying to get us to do one thing. Submit. He's trying to get us to just lay down. He's trying to get us to just stop fighting. But oftentimes, like Jacob, God is trying to wrestle us down into submission. Wrestle us us down into obedience. And oftentimes, He can't prevail with us either. Spiritually. God's fighting with you and wrestling with you and fighting with you. And you just will not give up. You will not give up. He just will not give up. He will not submit to this man. God. So what happens? And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, look what he said. He touched the hollow of his thigh. 
And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. You say, well, well what's, the, what, what's the point of that? Well, here, here's what you've got to understand. If God is trying to get you to submit, and He cannot get you to submit, oftentimes He might have to disable you so that all you can do is submit. Oftentimes He might have to hurt you. If God is trying to keep you healthy, keep you right, and forcing you to submit, and you're fighting against God, and you're fighting against God, and you say, what are you talking about? When the Bible is preached, and you hear about something in your life, and you say, oh, oh, that kind of got me, or oh, that's something God wants me to deal with, and God is wrestling with you, and fighting with you, and you're just fighting back, and you will not submit, oftentimes He has to disable you, He has to hurt you, He has to, you know, shrink the hollow of your thigh, so that at this point, all Jacob could do was submit. Look at verse 26. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. See, we've, we've got to understand this. Jacob has forgotten about Esau for 20 years. I know, you know, we, we've gone through this chapter by chapter, so it's just been a few weeks for us. But it's been 20 years. Think about 20 years. That's, I mean, that's a military career. <laughs> that's a long time. Esau has not been mentioned. Esau has not been thought of. And for the last few days as Jacob is traveling, Esau is all he can think about. Esau is all he's thinking about. Now now Esau, and the problem with Esau, and, and here's what you understand. As he's thinking of Esau, I'm sure he's reliving in his mind why he's afraid of Esau. Because he lied to Isaac. He pretended to be Esau. He took Esau's blessing. And now, Jacob's asking for a blessing. He's, verse 26, And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. When's the last time Jacob asked for a blessing? 20 years ago. So Jacob finds himself having to deal with Esau, reliving this in his mind, an event that happened 20 years ago, and now he finds himself asking for a blessing, just like he did 20 years ago. And in verse 27, the Bible says, And he said unto him, What is thy name? And just like 20 years ago, Jacob finds himself asking for a blessing and being asked, What's your name? Now, when Isaac asked, what's your name? He lied. He said, I'm Esau. But when God in the flesh asked, what's your name? You can't lie. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. See, we've got to understand, when God forces us to deal with Esau, when God forces us to face with Esau, you say, what's Esau? Whatever made you quit. Whatever made you run away. Whatever made you leave the will of God. It's really not about facing Esau as much as it is facing God. He wrestled with God because that's really who he had an issue with. And God wanted to get Jacob to the place where he just admitted to himself, admitted to everybody, this is who I am, this is what I am, I am Jacob, I'm not Esau, I'm not the firstborn, I'm not the one that should have got the blessing, I'm the liar, I'm the deceiver, I'm the cheat, I'm the one that's done all these sins, I'm the one that's done all this wrong, but I want the blessing, and really, here's what you got to understand, this is the difference between Jacob and Esau. 
and mistake. The issue, the thing that Jacob had going for him is that in his heart of hearts, he really wanted the blessing of God. And honestly, Esau never really did. He sold his birthright for soup. He, ne- he was mad that his blessing was stolen from him, but he never actually wanted a blessing from God. Where well, Esau did. Uh, Jacob did. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince has that power with God and with man and has prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is, is it that thou dost ask after my name? And notice what it says. And he blessed him. So Jacob says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Israel, but what's your name? And he says, don't ask me what my name is. <laughs> he says, you know who I am. But he gave him a blessing anyway. He says, and he blessed him. And in that blessing, I don't know what that was, but he made very clear to him who he was. Because look at verse 30. After he asked him, what's your name? He said, don't ask me what my name is. He blessed him. And after that blessing, verse 30, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. He said, I saw God face to face. And my life is preserved. And he called the place Peniel because of that. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him. And notice what it says. And he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. You know what, what, what's the spiritual application here? When you truly meet with God. We're not talking about salvation. Sal- salvation was like Bethel. You know, we were talking about this before the service. The, the, the difference between justification and sanctification. The difference between salvation and sanctification. Salvation and justification was back in Bethel. Sanctification is Jabok. Sanctification is where Jacob really dealt with, es- with, with his sin in regards to God that he did with Esau. He wrestled with God. He got a blessing. And his life changed. And here's the thing. Because God shrank the whole side, the Bible says that, uh, that, that he, he halted upon his thigh. You say, well, what is what's the spiritual application? The spiritual application is, when you meet with God, you never walk the same. You never walk the same. And you know, we were just, uh, we were just in Acts 9 last week when, when, when Saul of Tarsus met with Jesus Christ for the first time and, and the Bible says that his eyes were blinded and I believe that his eyesight never got 100% like he had it before. Why? Because when he met with Jesus Christ, something changes. Something is different. When you actually deal with God, something changes. And if he's got to shrink the hollow of your thigh, then you will never walk the same. Something changed. Say, what changed? He had a limp. But not only that, he was a new person. He said, from now on, you're no longer Jacob. See, Jacob, the name Jacob represented a liar, represented a cheat, represented a deceiver, represented a trickster. But Israel was a prince that had power with God and men. And that's the point. Say, why does God bring up my sin from 20 years ago? And forces me to deal with Esau. 
puts all this stress on me, puts all this, you know, uh, bitterness and anger, and I've got to deal with all these things, and I'm afraid, and I'm going to die, and I don't know what to do. Why does God do that? Here's why. Because at the end, He wants you to be different. He wants you to go from Jacob to Israel. He wants you... See, because now, Jacob is no longer going to meet Esau. Jacob lied to Esau. Jacob lied about Esau. Jacob deceived Esau. Jacob stole from Esau. But Israel is a different person. And see, oftentimes you say, well, well, I have to, I quit on God. You say, my Esau is my ex-husband. My Esau is my this. My Esau is my children. My Esau is, 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 is my sin. My Esau is I commit adultery. My, whatever your Esau is, when you've got to deal with that Esau, when you've got to face that Esau again, God wants you to face him a different person. A better person. A powerful person. Someone that has power with God and with men. That's the point. That's the point of the journey. That's the point of the crossing. But see... And here's what you're going to say. If Jacob would have just submitted to God, when they were wrestling, if he would have just said, I give! He wouldn't have to hop for the rest of his life. If Saul would have just quit persecuting the church and just got saved, he wouldn't have to deal with the blindness. But sometimes God has to disable us so that all we can do is submit. So let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father.